0: time, and I haven't really t- talked to you much about hearing from God in a while, and so I really wanted to just take this moment, this morning, and, and speak to you about hearing hearing the Lord talk to you, um, because I believe that God is talking to us more than what we're catching. Amen? I believe He's got more to say to us than what we're hearing. And, and that's sort of what I want to, John 10, let me just read... And, and a lot of this, for some of you, is going to be repetitive, stuff you've heard probably 98 times before, but I do have one little twist I want to give you The end I don't think you've heard before, okay? Or maybe you have, but I haven't really ever saw it until recently. But John 10, verse 4 and 5, he says, uh, When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So to follow the Lord, we've got to know the voice of the Lord. Is that right? That's what it says. They follow Him, for they know His voice. So to the degree that we are able to follow the Lord is equal to the degree that we are able to know and hear, hear the voice of the Lord. And it goes on and says, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but but they will flee from Him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In other words, God's voice... Uh, the Lord's saying His people can know Him so well that they, they won't be deceived. They will not be, be tricked uh, by, you know, strangers or, or the, the demonic ram. And um, there's no formula to this. It is not a formula. We have to learn to know the voice of the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's not about applying some principles, and then we can automatically know what God's voice is like. Because God has created, if you think about your own self, you, you, you know, in the interaction with your children, you know, if your child was stepping in front of a car, your voice would have a certain element to it, right? But if your child was being, you know, ugly, your voice would have a whole different element to it, right? Sometimes just a look is all it takes, right? You can just look at your kids with a certain way, and they know that look, you see what I'm saying? So there's many different ways that God speaks. He doesn't speak the same all the time in every situation. He talks. He's You know, we're a, we're creating His image. Therefore, just like we don't talk all the time to each other the same way, you know. I mean, I'm going to talk a certain way to Becky that I'm going to not talk to any other, other woman on this earth. You know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so we can't expect God to always talk to us the same way. That's ridiculous. That's, you know, that's just, and it's not going to work. Um, and one thing we've got to understand, I believe, is that we're living in a, a, an age where we really can't afford to be doing things that God has not initiated, that God has not spoken to us about. We don't have time for that anymore. The church doesn't have time for that. The people of God, we've got to, you know, I believe we're going to suffer more and more. For doing things that God hasn't initiated in our lives. You hear what I'm saying? Because God, you know, we do stuff because it sounds right. Somebody else is doing it or whatever. That is not going to work anymore, I don't think. I think we're going to pay a higher price for that. And I don't want to pay that price. Well, this is one thing David said. David said in Psalm 25, Lord, show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. So we're asking the Lord... Lord, show us the different ways that you speak. Teach us how to hear your voice in a more clear and concise manner so that we can really know that it's our shepherd speaking to us, it's our God speaking to us, and not all the other voices, the voice of the enemy, the voice of man, the voice of the world, those voices. So here's what I've got. I've got nine, I'm going to give you nine ways that God speaks to us. Okay? Nine different ways, but... I'm going to just run through the first eight real fast, okay? Because that's really not, I want it's the last way that he speaks to us, which I believe is like a key force on all the other ways God speaks to us. Are you with me? So nine ways. First one, Scripture. Our ability to discern his voice is usually directly related, related to how well we know the Scriptures. That's, that's pretty basic right there. Our ability to discern the Lord's voice is usually, normally, is in direct proportion to how well we know the Bible. In other words, that means for your own personal meditation in the Word of God, your own personal study, plus you know hearing the Word taught and preached by others. That's going to give you a great ability to be able to hear God speak. Amen? Second one, prophecy. 1 Timothy 1.18, listen to what Paul says. This charge I commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Prophecies. Prophetic words that God wants to give you. That is a direct way that God speaks to people is through prophecy. Uh, And I think probably most of you in this room have received prophetic words. If you haven't, you need to get one. The Lord will give you one. As a matter of fact, next Sunday we're going to have a, a guy coming, Dennis DeGrasse. Most of y'all remember Dennis is very prophetic, has a tremendous prophetic gifting. And he's going to be here next Sunday morning, you know, to speak to the congregation. And Sunday night, if you want to come to receive more personal prophetic ministry, he's going to be here Sunday night to do that. So we, I'm a big believer in prophecy, big believer. And I can tell you many prophecies that God has given me in my life that have come true, that were very accurate in my life. So, you know, and, and, this is, and this is what Paul, the apostle, was saying to Timothy, is by these prophecies, you've got to live your life. You've got to fight the fight by these prophecies. So prophecy is important. Don't think it's, it's ended. Number three, impressions. Im- these are small. Like, this is like this. I've been thinking, I was thinking about you all day yesterday. Ever had that happen? And you talk to a person and, and the reason you was thinking about them is because that person was having a difficult day or something. Anybody ever had things like that? happen? I got a friend of mine. I can start thinking about him, and guess what? The phone rings, and guess who's on the phone? It's him. And I was, and I'd say, I was just thinking about you, and he, why didn't you call me? You know, <laughs> that happens quite a bit, and and a lot of these impressions are fleeting. You know, they just sort of run through your mind. They don't. It's not like they grab you all all the time. You know, you come you come into the church, you see a person, and you just feel like for a moment, I need to go talk to them. And you need to, neither if you'll respond to those impressions, you'll find out that God really is talking to you. God really is doing something in your life. Sometimes these impressions can actually grow. In other words, you feel something, it's just an impression, but you don't act on it, but God will not give you any rest in your spirit. I was recently in a, a pastor's meeting, prayer. we were praying, and I just felt this impression that we were supposed to not just jump in there and do what we normally do and, you know... <laughs> But wait on the Lord some and see what God might say to us. But I didn't obey the impr- impression. And, man, the more we prayed, the more uncomfortable I got. And I was just, and I was getting there. I was sitting there. And finally, I started looking at my watch thinking, well, I'm going to wait one more minute. <laughs> this is stupid way you do stuff. I'm going to wait one more minute, Lord. And if this feeling is still there, I'm going to say something. Finally, I said, you know, I just feel like the Lord wants us to stop. And he wants to speak to us and god really spoke to us that day Uh, but you know it was a growing impression not it's not always going to grow you know depending on the situation and where god's really you know god has something very specific to say to those pastors that day uh and it all started with an impression i wasn't the one who actually gave the word to him i just had the impression that god wanted to say something and another guy had a word from god that was really the lord and i pray that the pastors respond to that word because All right, number four. This is a cool one here. This is one that, what I call sanctified desire. Sanctified desire. Okay? Uh, Mark 11, 24. And this is one I've struggled with for years. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Notice the, the phrase, whatever things you ask when you pray. Ever been praying? Okay? About things. And all of a sudden you start thinking about stuff you ever had that happen to you man i haven't that doesn't mean everything that you're thinking when you're praying is sanctified desire okay but it does mean this many times when we're praying our our desires our passions are being touched by god he's working on what we're praying about and he'll start telling you stuff some of these thoughts are really from god he'll start giving you information about what you've been praying about And you can write those things down and go and act on those things. And you'll see this God. Now the key is what you got is you got to have a prayer life, not a thinking life. You know what I mean? You ever sit down to pray and you're just thinking? (laughs) I mean, seriously, I sometimes think, man, I got a great thought life going here, God, but I ain't talked to you a bit. I ain't heard nothing from you. I'm just sitting here thinking about all my stuff. Uh, so not every desire is sanctified, but I believe as when we're praying, when we're truly in communion with God, and connecting, I mean really connecting with Him. God will start talking to you through your thoughts and start giving you strategies, you know, things that maybe you need to be doing that day or a way of dealing with the situation you're in. You got that? That's an important one because that can be like a daily thing where God will actually just plan your day for you and tell you how to do stuff, you know, tell you how to straighten your husband out. I know some people who want to know about that. (laughs) But all due respect to fathers, have respect you know get your wife fixed <laughs> number five i'll be moving on <laughs> number five pictures you know the old phrase a picture is worth a thousand words You know, it's when god get and we find this is all through the scripture where god this is one of the classic example one of the examples in amos 8 2 and the lord said to amos what do you see and he said i see a, a basket of summer fruit many times god will give you a picture of something just a picture because a picture is worth a thousand words and you'll be able to communicate the heart of god or maybe god's trying to communicate something to you personal or maybe he's giving you something for somebody else through a picture and i can tell you countless examples of things that people have spoken over me where they say i see such and such or, or things that i've had or different people in this room have That's a very common way god speaks to us is through pictures and you need to pay attention you know to pictures the ones that god gives you because he's talking to you he's trying to tell you something He's trying to tell you something. Amen? Number six, uh, dark sayings or parables. Now, this is one that really confuses everybody. Psalm 78, verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Many times, things that God says to you do do not make sense. Okay? They're they're like a riddle to you. In fact, this is what Jesus said about... uh, Parables in Matthew 13, verse 10, 11. It says the disciples came to him and said, "Why do you speak to them in parables?" And he answered and said to them, "Because it's been given to you to know the message of the kingdom of God, but but to them it has not been given." Jesus spoke in parables not to illustrate truth, but to hide truth. Now I'm gonna tell you that's why he spoke in parables. Even though a lot of preachers today say they use parables to illustrate truth, that was not the reason Jesus was using them, according to that verse in the Bible. He did it to hide truth because there's another verse that says this, Proverbs 25, 2, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. In other words, God God speaks to us in parables and riddles and things that don't really necessarily line up in our thinking, so we will search out and find out what He's really trying to say to us. And really what He's trying to do, ultimately, He's not trying to necessarily hide something so you won't find it, it's the searching out part is how you get a relationship with the Lord. That's how you get to know God is through this searching process, this going after God and finding God instead of saying, oh, you know, this makes no sense and being frustrated. Where, where God is looking for people with a searching heart who would diligently search him out. What does this really mean, Lord? What does the Bible say about it? You know, what, you know, what are you really asking God about these things? So God will speak in parables and dark sayings. I'm going to tell you, he has spoken many things to me that absolutely made no sense to me that I could, not, I could not figure out with my natural mind. But later on, God revealed them to me as I began to. And, you know, a lot of times when he reveals it to you, you think, Duh, that makes a whole lot of sense. How come I couldn't see that? I mean, it's like it, all of a sudden it's apparent to you. You ever had that happen to you? Yeah, God spoke something to you, and you'd sit there and racked your mind and talked to people and prayed about it and couldn't figure it out. And then somebody, you told somebody, and they said, Well, you, that's obvious. And they tell you, You think, Oh, okay. You ever had that to happen to you? Well, that's a, that's a normal way God likes to speak to us. Y'all with me? Psalm 25, uh, 78, verse 2. All right, number seven. This is one I got from Alaska. God speaks to us through nature. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament show His handiwork. So the Lord definitely speaks through nature. Go outside, and, you know, look at a tree or something. But it really does. And, uh, you know, the earth is of the Lord's glory if we could just stop and look for it. You know, if we could just stop and look for it. It's there speaking to us, telling us something about the Lord. And that's that's just a great way that God. I've heard people who don't even know the Lord say they love to get out in the woods. They just feel closer to God, and it's because they are closer to God out there. God's speaking to them. God's you know they're out there in the midst of nature, and God's God you know the nature the the Lord through the nature is crying out to them. It's a powerful way that God speaks to us. Number eight. This is one. This is a great one. Dreams and visions, dreams and visions, and everybody knows the scripture. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see vision, your old men shall dream dreams. And that is absolutely one uh, a way that God speaks that is going to be only be on the increase. It's only going to be on the increase. In fact, there's there's just a flat battle over dreams and visions right now. I believe in the in the world, you know, uh, all the stuff that we've seen, uh, you know, about the voice of the Lord, about, you know, psychics and all that mess, it's all been to discredit God and God speaking. And, to, you know, that's been the number one reason for it, is to discredit the Lord and make things like prophecy, make things like dreams and visions, to, to make it irrelevant, make people think it's stupid, make people discount it. And the second reason is to, to corrupt people and destroy people's lives. You know, that's the second reason. But the first reason is really to discredit the real and because it's a counterfeit. But I believe, you know, there's a day coming where where dreams and visions are going to be so real and prophetic words, all these ways that God speaks, it's going to be so real there's no way people are not even going to even think about all that psychic stuff because they're going to realize that stuff is just, it's from hell. You know what I'm saying? It's from hell. It's not real. And God is going to show, you know, He is going to show that He does have a voice. And God does speak through dreams and visions. He does. He gives people visions. And we need to start listening and paying attention to the visions He gives, to the dreams He gives, because God's trying to say something to us through those things. Now, there's lots of other ways that God speaks to us. I just, those were the first things. The one I really want to just take a few minutes and talk to you really about is, is number nine, and that is the still, small voice of God. Okay? The still, small voice of God. And the reason I want to talk to you about number nine is I believe if we can get some revelation on number nine, it affects all the other ways that God speaks to us. In other words, it's like a foundational principle for hearing God speak to us. Amen. And and, and the reason I want to share it to you is this is something I've not I've not ever seen in in really pursuing this still small voice. That was one of the things that Rhonda shared. The Lord told her to be still. You know, what's that Psalm 46. 10 or 2 or something like that. says, be still and know that I'm the Lord. Um, You know, rest and all that same. But turn to 1 Kings 19, and let's read that familiar story. And I want to show you some things the Lord showed me recently. I didn't know it was in there, uh, in these verses. Is the Lord helping anybody this morning? Remember the story of Elijah when he faced the prophets of Baal? There was this big showdown up on a mountain. And Elijah, you know, said, you know, you serve the Lord or serve Baal. You know, you're going to have to choose. And and the prophets of Baal got up there and beat themselves and cried and carried on all day. And and that was a famous scripture where Elijah, you know, was taunting them, said, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Baal's using the bathroom or something. That was one of the things he said, maybe sitting on the toilet. Maybe that's the reason he ain't got time to answer you. And, of course, Baal never answered, but Elijah stood up there and called fire down from heaven on the sacrifice and consumed everything and then went and killed, what, 450 prophets of Baal, had them slaughtered, just whipped them like a dog, man. You know, just beat the fire out of the enemy that day, made the enemy look like a fool. And, uh, but then this lady Jezebel, who was the queen, Ahab's wife, she jumps up and gets mad about it because she was sort of in charge of all the prophets of Baal. And Elijah went and killed them all, you know, and made a fool out of her. So she gets up and says, I'm going to kill Elijah. I'll kill you over this thing, Elijah. You... So here's this man, Elijah, one of the more powerful men in the Bible. Here he is up, you know, old Jezebel scares him. He gets scared. I mean, he's, here he is, just had a major showdown, a major miracle happened. Major things happen, and here's the guy scared. You know, he got scared and took off. Man, I'm out of here. She's gonna kill me. This woman's gonna kill me after he, you know, sheds all this other blood. Let's let's read that in verse one of First Kings nine. I'm gonna read verse one through four. Uh, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Ahab was the king. Also, how he'd execute all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying. So let the gods do to me and more also if I did not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And we saw that. See, here's the thing about Jezebel. Jezebel wants to intimidate. And there's a spirit of Jezebel operating today in the church. And that spirit will intimidate you. It will back you down. Most people when they you know, most of us we we're about like Elijah. We that spirit comes after us, we want to run because it is intimidating. If you ever face it. But the Lord the Lord will show you how to deal with it. Um, and when he saw that, verse 3, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his the servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. So here's the guy who just experienced the greatest victory of his life. Now, he was so depressed and despondent that he wanted to die. He just, you know, I just want to die. And the Lord, uh, you know, talked to him and basically told him to go to the mountain of the Lord where God wanted to speak to him. And jump down to verse 11. Let's read verse 11 to 13. And, of course, um, he got up there to this mountain. He was sitting up there in a cave. And and in verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. That had been a rough place to be up on a mountain. And the, a wind, think about a wind so strong that it was tearing rocks apart. I mean, that would be a pretty incredible thing happening, don't you think? I mean, just put yourself in his situation. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind earthquake, here you are up on a the mountain, there's an earthquake, the earth splitting open, and... You know, you could fall in at any time. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Okay? So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood to the, entrance of the in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So, here's a couple of things. Number one... This is one thing I think everybody in here needs to get this morning. At your darkest moment of your life, God wants to speak to you. You hear what I'm saying to you? You can be at your darkest moment right now. You can be at much your most desperate moment right now, and always, without fail, God wants to speak to you at that moment. And I think we can take that one to the bank. Right, Rhonda? At your darkest moment, God wants to speak to you. But there's a couple of hindrances to God speaking to us. The first one self-pity. Okay? Depression. Those things will hinder you from hearing God talk to you. Because self-pity is self-centered. It's self-focused. And when you're, you're focused on yourself, you're not going to hear God talk to you. I mean, He just can't get through to you. And if, when you're all self-pity, you know, all depressed and all messed up and having this major pity party, don't be expecting to hear anything from God. Because that hinders you from hearing from God because you're focused so much on yourself. You got that? So the one thing you've got to do when you're at your darkest moments, you've got to not focus on yourself. You've got to believe that God wants to say something to you, that God wants to talk to you. And it normally comes in a still small voice. That's the first one. But here's the one I really want to talk to you about, the deception of the spectacular. That's the second thing. Everybody say, the deception of the spectacular. Okay. Elijah had a very spectacular ministry. His whole ministry was spectacular. Everything he did was spectacular. I mean, he raised people from the dead. You know, he did some some all. You know, bringing fire down from heaven's quite spectacular, wouldn't you think? I mean, I don't know anybody's pulling fire down from heaven these days. I don't know people. You know, that are doing miracles like Elijah did. I mean, he had a very spectacular miracle, a uh, uh, ministry. But here's the key to his spectacular ministry. The key was is because Elijah was able to discern the still, small voice of God. He was able to, dis- to discern that voice above and apart from everything else that was going on around him. And that was what made his ministry so spectacular. See, God does do things in spectacular ways. I mean, he can be very spectacular, and he will be spectacular in the earth. I believe he'll do that, but normally he's not doing that for us who believe, right? Because we, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. So God's not always interested in pumping you up by doing something spectacular with you. And see, there's a deception that I believe comes on many people, many Christians, as we get in this thing. It has to be spectacular. See what I am saying? God speaks through the Scriptures. How many times do you pick up your Bible and you see a verse like a rolling marquee across the pages? Now, that's happened to people, but that's a spectacular way for God to speak to you through the Scriptures, right? But normally, God will not do that. Normally, your dreams will not be spectacular where you'll bounce out of the bed. I had this dream from God, and I know exactly what I'm supposed to do this afternoon. Normally, they're just not going to be that spectacular. Normally, the visions you have are not going to be like open visions. Like, I I was sitting here, and I had my eyes wide open. I saw this like a film in front of me. That is not the norm. That's not the way God speaks to us day in and day out. It's just not. And see, there's people sitting in this room that God has spoken to you, but you're looking for something spectacular. You're looking for some dynamic, traumatic, awesome experience when God's already saying something to you, but it's a still, small voice. The dreams are not that spectacular, but they can be very profound. Some of the most profound things that God has ever said to me, which are absolutely proven true because they've you know come to fruition in my life, came... You know, like, it was barely, you know, barely noticeable. So One of the biggest decisions I made in my life based on something God said to me, it was like, okay, well, I'll try that and see if that works. If that's you, God, it'll work. If not, it won't. I mean, it was just a very small thing. Some of the things, you know, sometimes you can just be out jogging or walking where, and God will say a profound thing to you, but it won't seem that way because we are focused on seeing things that are spectacular. Are y'all with me on this? Because I believe we're missing it. I believe many of people in here don't have any faith that God's talking to them because they're looking for, you know, fireworks. And see, Elijah knew God wasn't in the fireworks. He wasn't in it. Are you with me? Now here's what happens. When there are fireworks, when there is a rolling marquee across your Bible, when you do have an open vision, there's a reason for it, and here's the reason. Because the thing that God is showing you Is going to be so difficult so hard to go through that you are going to be so shook and so scared and so messed up as you go through it you need something spectacular back there to look back to and I know that was God because I had this rolling marquee across my Bible that was highlighting this scripture and now I'm in a big mess and that's the only thing I got to go on so if you are looking for those things and when you get those things, believe me, God's given them to you for a big reason, and it's because you're going to need them real bad. You, you got that? And that's the reason, you know lots of things we just don't need you know that dynamic of a thing. You know, I don't need to go in and bring Becky dozens of roses every day and you know buy her or, you know, a ring and take her out to supper and do all this wonderful stuff just to tell her daily, "I love her." Right? I can just say, "I love you, honey." You know, and kiss her on the cheek, and go on about my business. I don't need to make a big to-do out of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of young Christians go wrong on this deal, like right here at this point. What happens when you, most mostly? This is what happens: people get saved. God is so near to anybody. Had this experience? You feel the Lord, and things are real. You go to church, and it's, it's so good. The worship was wonderful today, and the preaching was tremendous, and and everything, the fellowship, and the the youth ministry, or the old people's ministry, wherever you are. But one day, this is what happens. The honeymoon's over, pal. (laughs) Get a job. (laughs) That's the way it feels. I can remember having that thing as a young Christian, and it was like, I felt like God had left me. That's the way I felt. Fortunately, somebody gave me this little book by Kenneth Hagin. that says, the just shall live by faith, not feelings. How many in this room, men, older guys, and I forget you young guys, that have been married 25 years like I have been, I mean, there's days I don't feel all romantic. I mean, there's lots of days I don't feel. In fact, probably most days I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All passionate and all this stuff going on. You know, but I don't need to feel that to love my wife and have a relationship with her. And what God wants to do with with people, don't backslide over it. That's so stupid. Get up and say, God, I know you're here because you said you was. And I know you're real and there'll be times in my life where we'll have an experience that's wonderful. But a lot of people walk away from the Lord at that point. A lot of young Christians. It's just, you know, it's hard. I know, because I remember and It was sort of rough on me. Um, A a classic example, this is all through the Bible. The birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus was totally non-spectacular. Right? Uh, Nobody knew about it. They had to send angels down there and speak to some guys and tell them, hey, God's here. He's over here at this manger. You know? You see what I'm saying? All through the Bible. In fact, there's many prophecies in the Bible that have been fulfilled that I bet you, you don't know they've been fulfilled, but you can find the fulfillment in the Bible. You can cross and This was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And you think, that's the fulfillment of that prophecy? You see what I'm saying? A lot of this stuff is not that dynamic. What there's a scripture that talks about how lightning goes from the east to the west so, that, so, does, so the Son of Man shall come. It's like it's, it's a, a thing. It's not going to be some spectacular thing. You know, lightning striking...